Hello and welcome to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. I'm your host, Emma Gibbs-Ung. Each show I'll be using a combination of interviews with incredibly inspiring people from around the world who have achieved greatness, overcome adversity and never given up, as well as solo episodes from me sharing my own journey as a leading mindset trauma coach, helping to inspire, support and guide you to create a growth mindset so you can achieve success in all areas of your life. So are you ready to bring mindset to life and feel inspired? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. This week I'm joined by Sarah Walton, who is a romantic comedy writer, director, storyteller and well-being speaker. She went from train wreck to teetotaler, from uneducated to getting her master's, from unfit to running half a marathon, from being inflexible to doing headstands, from stage fright to public speaking and stand-up comedian, and from a small town in Australia to Hollywood. (laughs) Whoa. Sarah has consistently transmuted her self-doubt into success while working through anxiety, panic attacks, sexual trauma, chronic pain, emotional abuse, depression, financial instability, low self-worth and poor health, alcohol and drug abuse, addiction, near-fatal car accidents, surgeries, and PTSD. Through her film company, Feel Good Films, Sarah is passionate about using the power of storytelling to uplift, inspire, and runs storytelling and personal development workshops to to teach people how to transform their tragedies into comedies. Wow, 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 what an introduction. I didn't write that introduction, by the way, people. Um, Sarah did and I didn't want to change anything from it so welcome Sarah it's so lovely to have you on the show there is literally so much I want to talk to you about (laughs) me too (laughs) how are you I'm really good thank you awesome awesome so we are chatting I'm in Bournemouth you're in Australia and 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 every time I have clients over there I just think wow you know we're literally on the other side of the world and we're sat here chatting it's it is amazing and what a chat is going to be because there is literally so many questions bubbling around in my mind to get started with you but um you clearly have been through a lot for sure um and what comes through in what you've sent over and from the conversations that me and you have had um before this podcast is that you really do know don't really do know how to transmute your self-doubt into success Um, and I'd love to know in your own words how you've managed to do that on more than several occasions because there is a lot that has gone on in your life yeah I think the main thing really is um making self-doubt my friend so it's you know the inner critic that I thought was um, and which was and still is sometimes holding me back mm-hmm. is when I befriend it it actually I can transmute it and move through it into more flow and creativity so it actually helps me <laughs> if I'm not afraid of it and if I can be with it so for example with public speaking um the less nervous I am, sometimes I'm not as good on stage because the nerves actually force you to be more present and to be more in the moment. Um, And that's when the really good stuff comes through. So, yeah, it's really just been um, learning to love, you know, failing and 
um, listen, you know, observing that inner critic meditation has helped a lot just to have distance between, you know, those negative voices and the negative talk and being able to just observe it and see, mm, oh, yeah, that's going on. And, uh, yeah, then move through it. Move through it, yeah. yeah. I love the fact that you say it's about befriending it because I think what quite often self-doubt or any negative emotion we tend to literally see the negative in it um yeah. and and there is actually quite a lot of positives that come from our negative emotions and like you know when you said with public speaking having nerves keeps you on your toes and that adrenaline allows you to perform at a level that you don't normally perform at and so there is a lot of good that comes from that i mean um yeah. clearly obviously you've become an expert in in managing that and learning how to transmute it but how did that all start for you like was it just you experimenting had you got had someone told you maybe look try and befriend it where did you get to that point yeah I think um definitely trial and error mm. and I tried so many different things but there really was I think a crucial thing that gave me the insight to see that I could really do anything that I put my mind to was um, when I quit smoking actually um, in my early 30s because it's really a lot of that stuff that is in my intro I've done all of that from the age of 30 and yeah. the, the first thing that I did was quit smoking and that was so hard for me but I read a book um, by Alan Carr it's English actually yeah 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 hey, you know him I do. Well, not personally. I'd love to. I think he's hilarious. But yeah, he's he's good. He's awesome. Yeah. So I read his book, The Easy Way to Stop Smoking, and something just shifted in my mind. I mean, it's that NLP yeah. um, approach of just changing the way my mind, the way that I perceived smoking, and then that made it easy to quit rather than, um, you know, resisting and pushing things away and that's the same with self-doubt you know we push it away we're afraid of it oh no I don't want that when we welcome it and um yeah befriend it and it, it really it was that book that changed everything for me and I thought gosh if I can quit smoking what else can I do mm. and then you know after that then I learned to run and never even thought I could run before the age of 30 and um yeah just bit by bit and also meditation you know it was all the personal development things that I was doing mm. along the way that um yeah gave me those tools but if I didn't have the self-doubt I mean you know and even just insecurity and all of those things that were they were my gateways to mm. um the magic so yeah yeah so many, so many different things. And then I did yoga and um, I think, yeah, big thing with meditation and yoga and those sorts of practices, it was creating that space between, you know, the thoughts and myself. And I think being able to have that um, differentiation, I guess, yeah. How, did, how did you find that? Because me and you have similar backgrounds in a, in a lot of things, um, listening to, to your introduction. And, and I do yoga now and I do meditation now, both of which are my non-negotiables and I absolutely adore. But mm. if I rewind back, probably even 10 years ago, um, where I was sort of midway through what I call my recovery, or um, my mind was so 
hectic and I was almost too scared to stop or slow down or switch off in case you know stuff just came my way and so I've always been running away from it because you don't know what will happen if you just stop um mm-hmm. and it took me a long long time to to feel safe I think is the word that I I felt yeah. to feel safe enough to just surrender and yeah. be in the moment without having that one eye on the exit just to make sure that if anything happened I could go how did yeah. you, was that the same for you absolutely yeah everything you just said is exactly in my experience I remember um so I did I think I did yoga before I did meditation and they I've heard a lot of people say that yoga prepares you for meditation I guess that happened I and when I started doing yoga because I um had really bad anxiety and so then I was sort of forced to be like okay like I need to slow down Mm. and then um I remember having a bath for the first time in a really long time that was really challenging for me I really found it difficult to relax and just be in like a quiet bath Mm. um and then it was just little bit by little bit easing into the yoga doing a little bit of that for, for a few years and a reading Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now. Um, yeah. And I did, yeah, like personal development courses and things like that. But it was slow, you know, it took years. And quitting smoking was a big one, I think, too, because that was, felt like a crutch. Mm. Um, what I understand now is just like a psychological one, obviously. But, um, and then, uh, yeah, I never even planned to stop drinking. <laughs> that wasn't... You know, I didn't want to stop drinking, but it just, yeah, these things just kept forcing pain helped. <laughs> so I had a pattern of repeating, um, I would say, like unhealthy relationships or dysfunctional relationships. And then that would catapult me into my next change <laughs> each time. I'd sort of be like, oh, I, you know, I need a change. And then yeah. uh, that would sort of be my gateway. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, and I think... It's so important, like you started with one thing and you said, you know, the smoking was your crutch Um, Mm. and and it was a bit and it was hard. And you started with that and you saw that you could make the changes and then it it led to if I can do that, then what else can I do? And I think that's, you know, really powerful because quite often we, we can almost go from just this accepted way of living and then, right, we're going to change. Right, I've got to change everything right now. And it's like from one extreme to the other. Um, and of course, that's just not possible. We can't change a whole life just like yeah. that. Um, uh, and I love how that you picked. And often, you know, people say, pick the hardest um, thing that you need to do at the start of every day and know that you've got that done and then everything else will follow. And the same, you know, with change. Um, that's then proof for you that I suppose that was the evidence for you that you can then start to change that. And then yeah. obviously, as you said, that then led on to you going on a massive transformation of all areas by the looks of it of your life um, with health, with um, nutrition, with general well-being. And really, and you can almost, when I look at your um, intro, you can almost feel the energy and the momentum, right? I've started this and boom, like I can go. So, I mean, I don't know, you said it was in your 30s, but that seems there's been a huge shift and transformation in your life in not that that short 
uh, sorry, not that long a period. It, you could start to yeah. see it away. I think I, um, from about the age of 26 to 30, I was really trying mm. <laughs> um, and sort of not, not succeeding <laughs> mm. for a long time, especially with the quitting smoking and things. And I was just very thought that I just couldn't change things. Um, but yeah, through chipping it away, I can see now that that was sort of shaking things up and unearthing things. And so then by the time, um, yeah, that I quit this, and there was the first thing, that one thing, and then each time I'd be working on the next thing, I would think back to the last thing. Well, I thought I couldn't do that. So I, can, mm. I know that I can do this. I still do. I still think about quitting smoking and the running was a massive one for me. I just mm. thought there were so many things that I just thought, that was just not, I'm personally not able to do that. Like I couldn't even touch my toes. <laughs> like mm. I just thought we ha we were inflexible. We had, you know, um, flexibility wasn't in our genetics in our family because none yeah. of us could touch our toes and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then again with running, like I just thought that I was someone that couldn't run. You know, mm. some people can do certain things and some people can't. So, um, and it wasn't really in my plan to be a runner <laughs> but it just these things happen I sort of tried to, I was walking fast and then I tried running for a little while and then oh, I just tried a little more and a little more and um next thing you know I'm running a half marathon <laughs> and doing yoga every single morning <laughs> like doing headstands and it's just these things that I never it was beyond my if you, if I met my twenty-five-year-old self now, my twenty-five-year-old self would be like, "Girl, you are boring. <laughs> Whatever." Like, yeah. I just would not have believed you that I would love my life so much and the things that I love. Um, yeah, things that I would used to think were really boring. <laughs> and do you, I mean, again, like it sounds like you have a slower pace of life. Um, even though you've accomplished so much more, like, you know, you said, oh, your 25-year-old self would say it, you lead a boring life and you then backed up saying, but it's a life that you really love. Do you mm. feel that everything that, that you went through in the past created this sort of chaos as in, you know, this speed and this momentum, but the more that you started to prove to yourself that you could do things, the slower pace of life really started to become attractive to you because, you know, there's only so much, there's so many years you can live your life at a million miles an hour, isn't there? And you, <laughs> and you miss out on so much as well because you think, you know, oh, I'm here, there and everywhere. I'm at every party or I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm doing the things, but you don't take it in and absorb it and appreciate it and, you know, um, all of that sort of stuff. And, it, and it's a lot, it's very false, isn't it, all of that? Mm. Um, so, so obviously then moving into that calmness has, has been really good for you. Can I just rewind back a little bit more in the fact that obviously you have gone through a, um, a lot. Was your child, how were you as a child growing up with self-doubt? Was, were you okay? Or, and was it the things that you've experienced that triggered it? Or was there elements of it that that came through and then of course was intensified due to the the other stuff that you went through yeah I think definitely um the self-doubt came from childhood for sure just I took on what other people said which now I understand through all the work I've done 
um, was not even about me, <laughs> you know, but I took on things that people said to me as if, um, you know, I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought uh, that I was stupid. I really truly believed that I was dumb, like a dumb blonde, ha, 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 you know, like I don't know. And I just really thought, I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, like a long time, oh, don't worry about me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Or, um, you know, like cut myself down to like make people feel comfortable. Like I didn't want to overstep anyone. And um, I was quite shy actually um, for a lot of years. But th there were moments, like I was always sort of a performer. Like I had that heart and around friends and family I was comfortable with or in certain situations mm. so it's definitely always there just like dying to come out <laughs> so then um yeah I think oh also so when I was 25 I went to acting school and that really started it so before that was my very much my parties I was still partying when I was at acting school but it was helping me get back in touch with my true self in a way that um that was shifting things for me and prior to that yeah I mean I had difficulty in my teenage years especially I mean when people say I wish I was younger again I don't get it at all like not that I didn't have a wonderful time and mm. I just had the most beautiful friends and we had a blast and really just chased boys a lot but mm. uh, like so much like such a waste I would say a waste of time but also I wouldn't change a thing oh, enough, it, isn't it it's led me to where I am now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely escaped to the partying thing. I had emotional, you know, emotional problems. I remember when I was young, like I was afraid to be alone. I didn't want to be alone. And I had the thought that I didn't know what to do with myself or I didn't know what I would do. I didn't trust myself to take care of myself in that way. What you were saying before about safety. Mm. I think that that was from a very young age. I just really didn't feel safe. Mm. Um, and the alcohol gave me an opportunity. I was also very um, sensitive and felt responsible for to make other people happy, mm. which that came from childhood as well. Um, so alcohol and partying was an opportunity to just like forget about all of that and just be free and escape yeah. responsibility. And, um, you know, I had the weight of the world on my shoulders, <laughs> really uh so um yeah partying was a way to escape all of that and then once I started that healing journey then you know more stuff from childhood and things came up that I had repressed that I didn't know and then that you know sort of forced me to go deeper and mm. the more the scary stuff came up the deeper I, you know the more joy that came through you know like when I've been able and willing to fully face it that's yeah that's when I've really sped through um wasn't uh, if I could choose back then I'd be like I don't want that yeah <laughs> but um but now yeah so grateful for it all well this is it, sorry um this is the I, thing is that a lot of people are in my experience a lot of people who have gone through stuff like quite hardcore stuff um Again, we, we um, suppress it a lot and our mind blocks out a lot of it. Um, and like you said, you know, the more that you started to open up, the more that started to come to the surface. Can you just talk through how you handled that? Because um, it, it can be scary. And I, and I think sometimes people think, I'd rather just stick with what I know because I know how to handle that. 
Um, and even though perhaps I'm not living the life that I want to live, um, I'm pretty safe and contained in, in my little bubble. Um, and that seems to be, for me, quite a big thing that I see that stops people from then really embracing. Now, I know from my own personal experience what's on the other side of that. And I just looking at you now, you're radiating and you, you look amazing. And I, I know that you now know what's on the other side. But in that moment, how did you keep motivating yourself to keep going? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question and so important because, yeah, I think that there, there is a lot of that comfort. Um, I think really what helped me is that I had never felt comfortable with comfort. <laughs> um, oh. So, uh, yeah, that probably helped. I just have had, I don't know, a burning desire in me and it. I can't, yeah, I don't really know where that came from, but I'll think of something more tangible that would be helpful to other people because I, I can't explain that part of it. Like I just have like a burning thing in me that... But that in itself, press. yeah, that in itself is your intuition, isn't it? Guiding you. Yeah. And it's just, I know that I'm meant to have yeah. more. Like right. I, I, I have something to share. Like I, I have something to share with the world and I didn't know what that... And it, sort of led me to I think the boy chasing was like part of that for a long time that motivated me honestly and then it that pattern of then having the breakup which would then force me to do the work um and I was subconsciously obviously not consciously putting myself into that although sometimes it did feel like I was conscious of it um and that pattern really did help motivate me for a long time and that was obviously just something that i you know, seen modeled. Um, but yeah, I think the pain, the pain, honestly, the pain has been a big motivator and um, the create the creative stuff. So I think a big thing was shifting from the boys <laughs> to my creative work. So um, that real, once I started focusing on my work, well, then it was instead of being obsessive about boys and I was obsessive about my work of course it just gets transferred from one yeah, thing yeah. um and so then that's been a journey of yeah allowing you know what I've been working with more recently is just allowing inspiration to come through mm. and following that uh, flow of guidance from within rather than needing to anything external to motivate me and I think to a point it is actually helpful honestly like pain like I don't want to recommend it but uh, mm. it has been my greatest teacher and to not be afraid like what you said about um, you know being afraid and thinking oh, I'm comfortable here I think Tony Robbins you know he talks about how we're more motivated toward uh, avoiding pain rather than going toward more pleasure yeah I've totally paraphrased that he says it much better um but yeah I feel like I'm only just starting to feel that desire to go more toward pleasure rather than feeling like I need the pain and Eckhart Tolle says it as well that um we need pain until we realize we don't need it anymore. Mm, mm. And I definitely am not at the point where I don't need it at all. I don't think, but I, um, the crashes are the thing. Yeah. That I would say to uh, sort of encourage anyone who's afraid to go deeper or 
um, into the scary stuff is that it's that's where the best stuff is, you know, and it's actually like in Home Alone, you know, when um, I don't know if you know that movie. It's oh, yeah, I watched it the other day with my son. Love it. Oh, one of my favorites and he goes down into the um basement at the end and he faces what he thought was the monster and it's just this silly thing yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know it's like, it's laughable and we can see that as an audience um you know he's a little kid and whatever but i still at 41 years old i still think about that movie <laughs> i'm like yeah. it's like kevin going down into the basement and yeah it really is and whether it's a washing machine or whatever it was I can't really remember or something a bit scarier like the sexual trauma for me was so scary mm -hmm. I was like I've worked through a car accident and uh, you know like fearing death and my parents divorce and these other things that felt um, I guess socially acceptable as well yeah. like I felt yeah. like I could talk to people about that it wasn't as scary and then when the sexual trauma came I was like no, nah, I'm out. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> like, give me back the other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, but that has that has led me into, I thought before the sexual trauma came up, I was in this space where I was like, oh, I'd worked through all these things. I was feeling really wonderful. I was like, oh, I'm zen, woo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. That's when the scary stuff. boom, the big one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then it was like universe, like okay, you're ready for this this next thing then, and I was like, what? No, and then that was, yeah, that was a scary, scary ride for years. I felt like I was just having constant dark nights of the soul, but also within that time, also intense ecstasy and pleasure, and um, there's something about the rawness of pain where there's just a lot of beauty, and we we touch. Yeah, we're closer to the presence, you know, to, um, yeah, whatever you, uh, people want to, you know, whatever people believe or um, whatever you want to call it. But for me, I guess presence yeah. or love, unconditional love. And um, did it also provide answers as well? Because I think, you know, sometimes we don't understand why we are the way that we are or why we think or why we have such extreme beliefs about certain things. And I know certainly for me, when I was going, cause I, I dipped it, my toe in to um, get therapy on mine. And then was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not quite ready. And I remember, and at the time I didn't tell my parents for a while, um, but at, at the time when they didn't know, I remember my dad questioning why I had such extreme opinions about relationships or, you know, sex in general and stuff. And, you know, um, if I saw pregnant women, it was like, oh, that's disgusting. That's just an advert for sex. Um, and, you know, and all of these sort of extreme things that were going on, which I think then led to, to some part of my fertility battle because I'd been so anti all of that prior. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's just, you have these extreme things that come through, but then the more that I then dipped my toe in, the more I got to understand me and then I, you know, cause sometimes you can feel, well, I felt very misunderstood and, and very alone and, um, and didn't like myself because of these extreme things. And then it was like, I, I then start to show myself a lot of compassion and a lot of understanding and empathy. And it was like, I can now, you know, I, you're, 
we are actually pretty bloody awesome like to mm-hmm. be processing all of this shit um yeah. I get it now and I and I'm your friends now and I don't want to then you know like berate you and make you feel stupid for feeling those things let's work on it together even though it's, I'm the same person but it was like right let's work on it together and something shifted and then I remember um the the therapist that I ended up having where I went all in he was male and I was like I don't want a male therapist like why the fuck have you given me a male therapist when I've gone through all this shit and actually it was brilliant in the end because it allowed me to see that not all men are like that um Mm. and yeah and it was very healing and very like you were just saying you know there's something in that in that darkness there are glimmers of light that come through um and it can feel really tough but when you've got that glimmer and that glimmer like gets bigger and bigger and your heart gets bigger and bigger and and you start to love yourself that little bit more and things start to soften because I mean I you know I'm a very tense person I don't know how to relax and, and all of a sudden, like, muscles are starting to relax in ways they never had before. And it's like, wow. Um, you know, it, it's crazy, isn't it? But we just go through that. But it's, it's knowing, it's allowing yourself, I suppose, to just support and guide yourself through it, holding on to the fact that this is all temporary. And if we can get through this, there is so much on the other side. Hundred percent. Yeah, that was so beautiful. You explained that so well. I think just the nurturing, like, mm. yeah, I've gone through a real process of self-love and mm. uh, reparenting is one of the terms that mm. they use. But um, really, just being that presence and the nurturing and the support for myself. That um, you know, I, I don't know if we were ever supposed to really get that from other people we, oh. when we tap into it within ourselves um then yeah it's sort of like well, I don't how do people you know because my external circumstances helped me and my pain helped me reach inside for that instead of going outside because every time I reached outside it wasn't there yeah um, and so it's been a real blessing to be able to hold that space for myself. And then the more I've been able to do that, the more I notice, you know, oh, and then suddenly these sometimes people that weren't able to be there for me now, they are because then I'm holding that for myself. Yeah. And yeah, that exactly what you said, the things that I was trying to hide about myself or change about myself, like my sensitivity and um yeah, I was like just trying to be something that I'm not to be loved. And then the more I just loved those parts of myself and embraced them, um, yeah, the, that's that's really probably been the biggest thing, um, the self-love. And that helps you get to the unconditional love, I think, holding that. And the understanding, isn't it, as well, I think. You know, we try and look at, like, I try and get people to understand me. And I know I've said on more than like a million occasions, no one, no one understands me. No one understands <laughs> me. And I wasn't even understanding myself. And I think yeah. you know, when you go through that process and you strip it all back, I suddenly started to understand that other part of myself. And the only person that is ever going to fully understand you is you. 
And that's why I think, you know, the most important relationship you have is with yourself. And that's why awareness is just so important, because the more aware you can be on your triggers, on your feelings, on your emotions, on what you need and desire and, and want, the more you can give it. And like no one else can ever give you that. You know, it's yeah. like search for love thinking, oh, they're filled the void. But we mm-hmm. can only fill our own void then other people can love us. Absolutely. Yeah, I got goosebumps when you were saying Mm. that. I remember because even um, when I went to LA, so this was, I mean, pre-COVID, I've been back for two years. So I guess that's maybe like five, six years ago. And my goal was higher love. I was like, right, I'm going to get this higher love thing that I'm I felt like I was experiencing some of it. And I'm like, I understand now how to have a healthy relationship, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, (laughs) um, I was still thinking I was going to get this high love in a relationship with another person. Mm. And then that's when I had my most traumatic relationship, interestingly. But I got what I was looking for. I got high love, but it was in me. Like my whole, like I had to go real deep and dark and right down there and lose everything really Mm. in order to experience that and um yeah then once I experience that and I'm like oh okay now I get it and it's just other people reflect when we're connected to that love within us our relationships and the people around us reflect that um yeah so that that was big for me (laughs) the thing is you know it's we're all energy aren't we and so we're all reflecting Mm -hmm off each other and if you're empty inside you're not going to attract your prince charming because you're not on the same energetic vibration and you've got to love yourself in order for other people to love you and in order for you to receive it in the way that you need to receive it in that's sustainable that's not just filling that empty void yeah and for me too a big part of that was letting go um forgiveness so it was I needed to face the things that I had unconsciously been holding in my body, like lots of somatic work, mm. um, you know, to really feel the feelings that I was avoiding and to let out rage and all the really uncomfortable feelings that I was so scared of. Mm. And, and that relationship helped me do that. And so I really am quite grateful for it now. Um mm. And yeah, having to face that is the only way that I could forgive it and let it go in order to open up into, um, yeah, feeling that love more yeah. deeply. Forgiveness is a, is a whopper, isn't it? And again, I think <laughs> it's something that we resist because we think we, we're forgiving that person, but we're mm-hmm. not, we're setting ourselves free. And I resisted it for years and years. And it was mm-hmm. the last little piece of my puzzle um, and then when I finally did it, oh my God, it was just like a whole nother level. And now I do it every quarter. Um, I write forgiveness letters in the five main areas of my life. And actually just, um, my son had just gone back to school. So it was in September and I, it was the first time I'd had a bit of breathing space for a while in the most loving way. Um, and I sat down and I wrote five letters on different things that have been playing on my mind. And I had a hip injury that I'd picked up because I exercise too. That's my outlet. I exercise. And um, 
no matter what I did, stretching or going to see people, nothing would sort this hip injury out. And it just was like tightness and you hold a lot of emotions in your hips. And anyway, yeah. so I wrote these forgiveness letters, like took two hours doing it, like made it really beautiful and calm and whatever, read through them, whatever. Next day, no hip injury. It totally gone, totally oh gone. And it's Not like, behold so much. And it's, I, I couldn't pinpoint what, what area out of those five or whether it was a combination of all, but mm-hmm. no word of a lie, that hip injury had gone the next day. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. I love those stories so much. Yeah. They're actually my favorite. Cause it's, yeah, I do lots of tapping now. Anytime yeah. just anything comes up, you mm. can literally, I would hold on to these emotions sometimes for weeks or months mm. being you know, immobilized by them. And now I can just do tapping for, you know, 15 minutes and poof, you know, I might have a little cry or something, yeah. you know, come up in my body mm. and then, it's all gone and then like you said these miracles happen I had the same so many of those things happen a cyst sort of thing I had in my eye just vanished from doing meditation and mm. um yeah just yeah all those practices they really work I do the same I do lots of gratitude letters and mm. um sometimes I send them to people sometimes it's just you know part of the process uh, most of the time the gratitude ones I send um yeah, just the the feelings, the emotions, being with the emotions and loving them. Mm. I think that that is a big part of, um, well, it's what we were saying about the self-doubt as well, befriending the yeah. full spectrum. Because, um, yeah, we tend to think that, oh, no, it's negative and I don't want to be negative. I, you know, I was always trying to be positive all the time. Mm. Um, but you can, you can be positive and still be with your negative feelings like that the negative feelings can be positive <laughs> actually They're teaching us stuff aren't they and I think this is the yeah. thing we're sometimes scared of the unknown and that's why you know self-doubt never fully leaves us because we're always evolving and therefore we're going to be trying something new and if we're not mm-hmm. then you've got to question yourself as to what you're doing with your life because um you know you can't stay in that bubble and live a you know a wholehearted life that's full of, you know, opportunity and potential and all of that sort of stuff. So it's always there. But I think, you know, we do sometimes get scared of the unknown um, and it's learning to flip it like right back at the start where you were then saying, you know, when you're on the stage, you know that the more nervous you are, the the better you perform. Yeah. Um, And it's learning how to use that. You know, you can guarantee um, I love sports. So like if you look at any athletes, um, and you just see that they're in the zone. You're telling me they're not, not nervous. Of course they are, but they've educated themselves to use that fear in a positive way um, to drive them and to propel them. And, and I think deep down, I probably have always had a bit of a fuck you attitude. I'm going to prove you wrong kind of thing. One to myself and two to other people. Like if anyone now doubts me, I think, oh, thank you so much because you've just made me want it more. Uh, and I'm not going <laughs> to prove you wrong. Um, and not that, I, but, you know, that's always served me in the right way, but it's certainly helped me to build resilience for sure mm-hmm. and to keep going. Um, and it makes the success a lot more gratifying when it happens. And you think, <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but it, yeah, it, all those things, anything that, you know, and everyone's different, anything that you can find that motivates you 
is, yeah, and it might, like you say, serve you to a point and then it might not serve you anymore, but whatever you've got, whatever it is that motivates you, just use that and, mm. yeah, self-awareness and learning more about yourself, inquiring helps you find those things out about yourself as well. Being, and that's also self-love, you know, like loving those parts of yourself. Comedies help me so much as well, like laughing at, you know, oh, there I go again, I've done that again, ha-ha. <laughs> you know, the things that I might have not liked about myself before to celebrate and laugh at it in a loving way. Yeah. Um, I think that, that that was been really healing for me. I, I got up and did stand-up comedy for the first time. Um, I just still can't even believe that I did that. Uh, and it was a little bit of a fuck you <laughs> with yeah. my ex because I remember I had this moment because he, he was so like adamant that people are bad and was just like trying to convince me of that. And I was had a really dark night one night and I went real deep. And, I, you know, when you're just like, I'm, I'm going to give up, like I've lost, I can't do it anymore. And something came through and it was, I'm going to show, I'm going to prove to him that people yeah. are good. And that motivated me for a while. Um, and then I did... Um, stand-up comedy and I talked about that relationship in a comedic way I I struggled so much even to talk to friends or and people about it because I was in so much pain but I managed to get up on stage um and tell jokes about it you know in because the heart of it there was love in there too um and I was sort of teaching the lesson uh, you know like the lesson that I learned through that experience which is that there is no good or bad, you know, like it just is like people are not, you know, good or bad. Um, and so, yeah, I, I similar to you, like at that motivation of like wanting to prove to him yeah. um, that I used that and then that really worked. And that was very healing. After I gave that speech, I felt very differently about that relationship and the trauma really shifted in my body. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone doesn't need to go out and do stand-up comedy, but whatever it is for yeah. you. Well, it has, yeah, and that, that again comes down to awareness and knowing what that is um, and not being scared to do it either. And I think, you know, sometimes you think, do you know what, I've got nothing to lose, just go for it. Um, and I was interviewing a, a, another lady a couple of days ago and she says, she always says, yeah, sure, why not, to things. And she she just is like, why not? Because I'll figure it out. And if I don't like it, I won't do it again. And if I do, it's going to lead on to lots of other things. And it's just having having the confidence to say it once. Because once you've said it once, mm -hmm. then it's not brand new anymore, is it? And so you've then got a little bit of confidence. And confidence grows through action. And I think a lot of people wait for the confidence to take the action. But the more, like every time you've gone up on stage since, I'm sure you've become a lot more confident in what you're doing and enjoy it a lot more and I think you know there's some form of therapy in that as well and I imagine when you're on the stage in stand-up as much as you're laughing about it you're healing your body as well because you're allowing yourself to to see it from a different viewpoint absolutely yeah stand up and public speaking because there were two things that were not on my list like I always as a kid wanted to be an actor and make films like I was doing that from when I was really young and that was what I saw for myself. And the public speaking and the stand-up comedy was like, no way, man. Like, I was terrible. I was petrified. There were not things I even wanted to do. 
Um, and they really came through um, listening to my intuition and working on that over the years and then just following that, like you said. And the one thing that really has helped me so much and still now is that I, um, I might regret, I'd rather regret doing it and failing than not doing it. Mm. And that I actually found that out because when I moved back from LA to Australia, I had sort of like a big dark night of the soul again and um, came back through that. And I cancelled a show, which I'd never done before. Like I'd never done anything like that before. No matter how bad I felt, I just always showed up for things. And I pulled out of a show last minute. It was a communication issue, but, um, and the, you know, inner critic (laughs) uh, dialogue that went on after that was even more intense than the times that I'd gotten up on stage and it hadn't gone that well. Right. And that was such a powerful reminder that I would have been better off getting up and (laughs) making a fool of myself Mm. uh, than not, I mean, no regrets because, again, I learnt from that lesson, but it really is we yeah we grow through the failing and the more we train our system just to be okay with that it starts to become normal it's like oh okay that didn't go as well and the inner critic starts um you know analyzing the things you could or could have done differently but it's not in a um like an aggressive way anymore it just feels like a kind teacher just being like oh well now I could have done this differently or you know whatever And it's obviously on different days, sometimes it can be stronger than others, but it's just training ourselves to, yeah, make friends with that inner critic because actually can be helpful to make things better. Just got to learn how to um, harness it. It's, you know, it's like we we always have choice, don't we? And we can either take the the lessons as a personal uh, dig or we can take it as feedback on what not to do or, or what to change or whatever. And, you know, it is a hard one. And even though I know failure doesn't exist, I still have to remind myself of it every time I'm fearful about doing something. It's like, no, you're going to learn. Like the worst mm-hmm. that, that's going to happen is you're going to find out what doesn't work. Well, then you don't waste time on it anymore. And you can then use your energy and, and start doing other things. Um, and I think that's why, you know, some people, when you hear that, that any sort of change like that is a daily practice, But the practice is more just those little reminders like, you know, it doesn't exist. Failure doesn't exist. All you're going to do is learn. You've got nothing to lose. Okay, thank you. And it's just those little constant reminders rather than the, oh, my God, like what's going to happen (laughs) if I and then going down that path. Um, And, and, you know, it's just building, building, building on lots of lots of things. So with your comedy because I was going to talk to you about that. Obviously, you've bought that. Did that start and then you moved into the film industry or has it gone hand in hand? It, so uh, I went from acting and then I focused on writing. And then from there, I went to film school and did writing and directing. And then from there, uh, so that's when I went to LA and then I was focusing on writing because that's what my visa was for which was great because, um, yeah, so I was really focusing on the writing. And so what I did actually is, you know, I was in America, so I was all excited because, this, you know, everything that I love in terms of film and comedy is happening over there, um, yeah. more so than here, just the sort of style that I love. 
And um, so I just wanted to try everything. And I had in my head, I was like tricking myself a little bit because I was like, oh, I'll do some uh, improv and sketch classes and things. You know, I think it will make me a better writer and director and a little bit secretly just missing performing. Mm. Um, and then again with the public speaking, I'll, I'll do this Toastmasters course because um, it'll make me better at pitching my films. And then I ended up just really loving speaking and that surprised me because I had always hated it for 40 years. Well, it was probably less, I was younger than that, 38 or something. Um, and then from the public speaking, then I, I was still doing the improv and the sketch comedy, but I didn't enjoy them as much as I was expecting to. Right. And then I thought, oh, well, I haven't done stand-up comedy and other people in my public speaking classes, um, course, sorry, had done stand-up. And I thought, oh, I may as well just try it. Like, I'll just do it. I kept putting it off because it was the scariest one. Yeah. Um, so it was really the last thing that I got to. And then I just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, my style is a bit different. It's a little bit more an amalgamation of stand-up comedy and public speaking I think because a lot of uh, for me like I like stories that have um storytelling stories that have a beginning middle and end like that's ingrained in me and I have to have a lesson you know mm. and it, um, I need that to be inspiring I enjoy watching the other sort of comedy but for me um that's what I enjoy the most so yeah it came through unexpectedly at the last minute and then I realized I'd sort of always been writing in the first person and it just made sense I think I was sort of writing stand-up shows <laughs> um, in my treatments of a lot of my films and things and yeah the thing um, what I had been writing and didn't realize that that's what it was I didn't really know much about stand-up mm. really um, whereas most people who do it are like yeah they're like yeah stand -up their whole lives or whatever I just sort of came to it in this weird way that you know people that who really honestly not self-deprecating but like much funnier than me they're comedic kind of people um are too afraid to do it because mm. they think of it as this big thing whereas I was like oh, I'm just doing it just because mm. you know um and I think I don't put that pressure on myself and it's just storytelling yeah, like, yeah. Was, you know I for me it really is about the love like I in what I share I'm like I'm sharing love and that there, there might be some laughs in there but again that just shows the importance of reframing it as well isn't it like you've re mm -hmm. reframed it into it's it's storytelling you know it's got a beginning a middle and end it's it's you know lined with love and there's comedy and feel good and all of that um and so for you you go on and and feel that you're up on stage telling a story whereas other people are like oh my god i've got to be so funny and i've got to, and we put all my all that pressure on ourselves um, and get so caught up in all of that that we then don't do anything and it's like mm -hmm. again it's finding that way that that sits with you that that um because I do a lot of presentations and I always feel I'm telling a story and I, I've always said to my husband what journey or what story do you want to take them on um and he's like oh I've never thought of it like that but but that's just how I've always done it and then I find it quite easy to then just create this presentation or whatever fairly rapidly and it's like yeah well, I'm just taking you on a bit of a journey um but I love you know the fact that um you were divinely like it wasn't necessarily what you originally thought but in your action taking and again you like you took the pressure off yourself because you're like well I'll do the Toastmasters because that will help me pitch 
And then it's like, oh, well, actually, no, it's giving me an insight into something else. And and then, you know, with um, going into comedy and stuff, well, I'll just do it because everyone else is doing it. Oh, and like it's it's guided you and led you there. But uh, yeah. very divinely. And it's like, you know, sometimes we think that we have to go down a certain route to get because we want this, that mm-hmm. we then don't allow ourselves to see what could come as a result of doing that but it might not be that outcome it might be a better outcome yeah that's been massive for me even still now especially in the film industry because people like okay what's going to sell and what's marketable and you know what's your next project and I have actually tried to stay out of um that environment as much as possible because it's just not how I work it needs to come from within for me Mm. and the public speaking actually because I do visualization when I run and um you know listening to the music it's all euphoric and it feels amazing and what was actually happening to me in LA is that as I was running along I was getting these images of me on stage sort of like Amy Schumer and I was like why is this happening like I have no desire to be on stage like doing stand-up or speaking mm-hmm. or you know I didn't really know what that was and it's like I was seeing these images or you know even before I knew what it was um yeah it's just listening to those impulses and the things that are terrifying but exciting at the same time Mm. um and yeah just not putting expectations on it and just doing it for fun not that I haven't had times where I've (laughs) like gotten caught in the then yeah you know trying to um you know sell the film or you know I've gotten to points where I've fallen into that mentality of trying to um you know make something of it or you know Mm. external circumstances but each time that happens and I just come back and I'm like that's not it (laughs) like it's not even why I'm doing it you know like it's literally um yeah just following that guidance like following your heart it sounds corny but it's actually like genuinely how I've had the most success is yeah. when I've meditated and looked after myself and listened to my heart and followed the things that make me feel really happy and come alive. And that's where all, all the good stuff has come from. This is where this came from. It's like, um, for me, um, I mean, this is season three, but uh, I was, I felt that I was sort of trying to manipulate certain things in how I thought it should be. Um, And I'd put out posts in the same groups that I put out posts where, you know, I connected with you guys and nothing really happens in them. And then like, I kept this niggle kept coming and I kept Mm -hmm. thinking, oh, you know, I need to do that. And And I love interviewing people. And, you know, if I strip back what I'm good at and all of that, it kept leading me to this same thing. And I was like, in the end, I was like, just put it out there. Um, And one of the things that was stopping me was that I'd lost my assistant and I didn't have the tech side covered. And and that had been my excuse for the last four or five months. Well, I haven't got anyone to do it and I haven't got time to do it because I'm so busy doing this, that and the other. And I kept using the excuses. And then something in me was like, just put the post out and just trust. And I put the post out and obviously got loads of responses um more than I could ever have dreamt of and it's just been phenomenal even then I'm like I still don't know how I'm actually gonna put this out here because I don't know how to edit my podcast but I'm just gonna run with it I'm just gonna run with it something will come something will come and then um I I was thinking I was about eight interviews in and about 
70 calls in with everyone, you know, speaking to them about it. And I connected with a friend of mine who's in the music industry and he's like, look, I'll help you. I'll do all the editing. I'll create a template. Um, I'll train you up on it and then you'll know how to do it. And it was like, wow. Um, but that came from me taking action and then everything fell into place. Whereas yeah. four, four or five months ago, I was like, well, I can't do it because I don't have a tech person that can help me and I don't know how to do it. So I'll just wait. Um, <laughs> and, it, and it's when you do and when you trust that the things come in. And I think, again, we focus so much on the how too much um, because we want that control element and we want to know all the things. But actually, never in a million years did I think it would my help would have come from the direction that it came from or that, you know, that the podcast that I've been running for three seasons, this is the one that I'm most excited about. And it's the one that I was holding off for. And then the minute I aligned, it went boom. And it's just been amazing. Yeah. I love that. It's so true. It really is literally just do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, just do the thing and everything will come in. Like the universe conspires to make everything happen. We just got to start taking action. Mm. And um, yeah, every every single time there's what's that saying? Build it and they will come or something. I feel like I'm leaving. Oh, I, know, I know the one you mean. Yeah. <laughs> is, is it not just if you build it, they will come or something? I think maybe it is. Yeah. I think maybe yeah. I'm confusing it with another one about trains. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's definitely been true for me as well. And just following, yeah, those things that light you up, like you're saying, and this, the scarier things that you said, you know, the one that you're sort of putting off a bit, mm. I still have some of those. I mean, I, that's the exciting thing is, um, you know, the plan that I thought I was working towards. I mean, I'm still working towards so many things, but all these other things come up and it's so exciting. Like it's surprises that mm. we didn't know that are better than what we yeah. planned you know actually so much better I mean um than we could possibly imagine but we have to let go of what we thought it would look like um in order to let those things come through mm. and to make the mistakes or they're not you know can't even really be called mistakes do the things and yeah maybe it will work out and maybe it won't but if it doesn't work out it's going to lead to something else that will yeah. You know, like, and that's the whole process of, um, yeah, just doing life, I guess. Like Tim Robbins says, isn't it, that life isn't happening to you, it's happening for you. And I never really, like, I heard it loads of times and I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And I'm like, no, like, things come in, you know, you make that mistake and you learn from it because it stops you going down that path because actually where you really want to go and where the real results are and the real happiness is down a, a different path and you're like it, and if you can just flow and trust and I know that sounds easy but if you've got going back to what you said when I um, asked you now about what motivated you and you said oh I'm trying to think of something tangible but really it was just that feeling again it's if that feeling um and and you know removing yourself from the chaos to hear the feeling connect to the feeling if that feeling's still there and it feels good then that's all the trust that you need. Because again, no one knows us better than we know ourselves. And, and I, I don't know anybody who's ever said, oh, um, I listened to my gut and it was wrong. But what I've heard <laughs> is I knew I shouldn't have done that or I knew I should have done it and I didn't. And like we go against our gut, but our mm -hmm. gut is never wrong. And so if there's just that never. tiny, tiny little niggle 
And yeah, okay, you had great plans to go like to LA, but actually you don't know what's going to come out of being back in Australia. And I know you're in, you're still in semi-lockdown and stuff like that. And, you know, again, that can feel like it's suppressing you in some respects or like holding people back from being able to do what they normally do. But you don't know what's going to come from being here versus being over there. And that's the exciting yeah. thing. Yeah, absolutely. I Because uh, when I <laughs> moved back, like that was definitely not on my plan. Yeah. I actually said to the universe, I'd set an intention. I was like, okay, I'm ready to expand. Like I could see that I, you know, wanted to expand more in terms of my work and mm. um, financially and whatnot. Anyway, I got what I asked for, but it wasn't what I thought it would look like. So then my visa got denied and I got sent back to Australia. And I was like, no, just like screaming. Like I really didn't want to leave LA because that was where I'd experienced like such deep unconditional love. Um, But yeah, I did also know that that I'd asked for, I'm like, okay, I see what's happening here. Like I see what you're doing. And it took me some time to accept that. Mm. Um, or to line up with it, I guess. I just, there were lots of things here that I had to face that um, in order to then move through, I think, into the expansion. And then exactly what you're saying, um, you know, I mean, so much has come from being back here, but even during lockdown, I had the longest period that I've now had in my life of flow, like being in that flow state for like a week and a half where I was just, and we're all in lockdown. I was sort of like, everyone was really struggling and I was just high on life. Like mm. it was insane. Uh, like I don't even have caffeine anymore. Like I'm yeah. so clean and yeah. this just this flow of beautiful energy came through me. I was dancing every day. I was creating and I mean, still doing my work and being functional, but mm just in this beautiful flow state um and that for a week and a half like that's longer and more than I ever um was in that state like such a concentrated state for um even compared to LA so yeah I was like wow and now it's like I didn't have any external circumstances that were helping elicit that whereas in LA you know I'd be going to things um yeah so exactly what you said all the the beauty comes yeah and the universe knows better I think if we could all see what was in front of us we'd all relax but the reality is we can't um but then you've just got to trust and just again look at the evidence of you know well when I've trusted this is what's happened and you know and build that sort of trust brag file of right okay you know I've got enough evidence here to show that I can trust myself even if we've got one slice of evidence then that's mm-hmm. evidence enough to show that you can trust and and to move forward and and just enjoy. Um, and I think you know, seeing you now, I know that you. Oh, it's eleven eleven. Oh, love that. <laughs> eleven eleven. Oh, that just came up to my. Um, but seeing you now, I you you can see that you're in flow, and you can see that there's a lot of calmness within you, um, that hasn't always been there and that's come through everything that we've just spoken about today and I think it's amazing and and very very inspiring on so many different levels um and you know um I could carry on talking to you for uh, another week with I just feel like we've literally just scratched the surface but with everything that we've spoken about is there just one one thing that you want to share with people 
um, that really helped you or that you feel right now in this moment that people need to hear? Hmm. Yeah, I think just, I want to say don't give up. Mm. <laughs> it seems really cliche, but really the times, you know, there's that, um, I don't know if you've seen that meme where there's a guy in a mine and he's yes. you know, hopping through the mine and he's about to give up. And he's like, got this yeah. much left before he gets to the gold. And that is exactly the truth. Like mm -hmm. the closest we are to giving up is the closest we are to a breakthrough. Yeah. Like the breakdown, like the harder you go down, like the bigger the breakthrough. And I think that has definitely been for me when I've, I've been on the floor, like literally on the floor. Mm -hmm. And just in so much pain and I've just given up, you know, given into that and allowed myself to really feel those very painful, uncomfortable feelings, then it passes away. Mm. And I wake up the next morning, oh, oh, now I, and then I have the inspiration again, you know, it's the things that we're resisting, um, yeah, and the things that we're afraid of if we're with them that, yeah. We're right there. They were so close. And I think a lot of people give up when things look scary or um, they think they've failed. Yeah. Uh, you, you just get back up again and yeah. um, keep going until something clicks and it really, really does eventually. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I love that. I use that very same um, image just yesterday, I think it was, when we were talking about ah. like, be so close and yet you just don't know um yeah. and I think you know when there is resistance there's a story or there's a lesson in that resistance and it's it's learning from that as well but thank you so so much for everything like this whole conversation has been magical I think you know we've touched on some really really key points um and there's a lot of amazing things that have come through that are nurturing and that are supportive and that are transformational um, how can people continue to follow you? Uh, I'm Sarah Jane Walton on Instagram and Sarah Walton on Facebook. And my uh, website is sarahjanewalton.com. www. <laughs> um, do you have yeah. any films coming out? Is there anything that we can expect? Oh, yeah, I have a holiday film, a Christmas movie that oh. is so close. Um, to, I have got a few producers that are interested in it. It's very close to a awesome. sale. So that one, I would say within the next year. Um, I love a Christmas movie. I love oh, Christmas, yeah, but I love a Christmas movie. Yeah, me too. Amazing. Oh, well, it's been absolutely fantastic speaking to you. And um, yeah, and I can't wait to, to stay in touch and to see what comes through from your production and from everything else. But um it's been awesome. So thank you. And thank you everybody else for listening um, this week. And I would look forward to seeing you in the next episode. So bye for now. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review. Bye for now.